Let's get going. All right, Daf Tesvav, page 15 in Mesechah's Beitzah. Gishmakedaf ahead of us. We're going to finish the first parak of the Mesechta. Bezas Hashem Yisbarach and start the second parak. So we are up to Amar Rava, um, a little bit before the two dots. It is the fourth line on Daf Tesvav Amar Aleph, wrapping up this sugya of shotness, only something that gives you warmth and doesn't touch your body, right? that doesn't give warmth to your body, is allowed to have shotness. Anything, as soon as it starts giving you warmth, there's going to be a prohibition of shotness. Here we go. Amar Rav, four lines to the top of Tesvav Amar Aleph. These pouches, we'll call them fanny packs or something like that, right? It's pouches that hold money. There's no issue with them being shotness, okay? Because they don't give warmth. The bizrani, however, bags that have bizrani, they have they hold seeds. So these types of bags do give warmth, and it's a transgression to to wear it if it has shotness. Fascinating leniency from Ravashi, and Ravashi says, "Listen here." Even if something does give you warmth, if it's not the derech, if it's not the path to receive, uh, to receive warmth, then it is going to be mutter to have it. Beautiful. I'm glad to, uh, I'm glad to welcome them to the Dafyaimi uh, team. <laughs> All right. Gavaldik. Says the Gemara. Two dots. You're not allowed to send, we'll call them, in American terms, cleats. They're shoes that have metal spikes on the bottom. You're not allowed to send those on Yom Tif. Why can't you send them on Yom Tif? Because the story, there were Yidin that were hiding um, in order to keep Tyra and Mitzvah, and then they were the, the opposing enemy that was looking to chase us. We were hiding out in a cave, and they came and caught Klal Yisrael. They came and caught, and caught these Yidin who were hiding, and then they ended up killing each other with a stampede, Nebuch, because they had these sharp metal uh, cleats that they were wearing and they ended up stepping on each other. So Rabbana made Xera that Yidin should not wear these shoes anymore. Amr Abayi says, Sandal Amenomer also linolet. A sandal Amenomer, these shoes that have the metal cleats, you're not allowed to wear it. But it's not But it's not mukta. You're allowed to move it. Also linolet, why are we not allowed to wear it? Because of the story that we just mentioned. But it's not mukta. If it's also to wear lachora. It should be Mokta. No. I'll tell you why. Maybe you'd think it is. It, it would even be Mokta. The answer is not. No. It has the status of shoes. So it's a cleat. How do we know that? Because the mission just says you're not allowed to. Um, uh, oh, you're not allowed to send it. You're not allowed to send it as a, as a present on Yom Tif. If it would be usher to even touch it or move it, why would you send? Why would you say you can't send it? You can't even you can't even move it. Michelle can tell me you can't send it, but vice dice must be that it's not muktza, it's mutter to move, but you're just not allowed to send it as a gift um, on Shabbos. It would be a it would be a transgression. Fine, period. You're also not allowed to carry a shoe that is not yet. Completed. It's not tough or it's not sewn up. Says the Gemara Pshita. Of course you can't. It's not a shoe. Yeah. 
It should the chayrit should be muktzah. No, it has some sort of use. It's kind of connected. It's just not complete. It's not sewn up. So then it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's mutter to touch. You're just not allowed to send it because you're not sending a ready-to-use item. Like we learned in the Mishnah. When are you allowed to send and carry an item and give it as a gift to somebody else when it's in the ready-to-use state? These shoes could technically you know, be pulled off, but it's not ready to, worn and it's not ready to be worn, and therefore... Um, it is not allowed to carry outside on Yom Beautiful. Rabbi Yudah says you're also not allowed to send white shoes because they're incomplete. Rabbi Yudah says you're allowed to send as a matana black shoes, which is standard, done. However, you're not allowed to send white shoes. Because it's not completed yet, okay? It still needs to be... Polished, we'll call it in our language. Rabbi says the opposite. And he says, you're not allowed to send black shoes because then if it's black, you have to make it more black. You're going to have to smooth out and polish it even more. Let me just explain what's going on here. There's no real machlaikas. It just depends on the types of shoes and the colors and the styles that people wore in their locales. But Asri Damar. Yeah, where Rabbi Yehuda lived, where he says white is not allowed, that's because the side of the skins of the leather that is kept to the outside is not the side of the, we'll call it the hair. It is the side that is next to the uh, basar. And therefore, it would be, it's only considered incomplete when uh, it's white. And usually they would have the hair side on the inside of the shoe and the flesh side on the outside, so more would need to be done. And uh, Memela, he says that to send even a, uh, a shoe that has black, is, since it's not completely done, is still going to be us. Okay, fine. Then we said in the Mishnah, what's the bottom line? How do I know if I'm allowed to send something on Shabbos and Yom Tiv? This is the rule. Anything that is ready to use on Yom Tif, you're allowed to send as a gift. Listen to this. We get on to a topic of Hilchas Tfil. Rav Sheshes allowed Rabbanon to send Tfilin to each other on Yom Tif. One second. Only if, it's, if it could be used on Yom Tif. You're allowed to send it. We don't wear tefillin on Yom Tiv, right? Anything that's ready to be used, even on a, uh, on a chayl, if it's ready to be used on a weekday, even if we don't use it on Yom Tiv, you're still allowed to send it as a present on Yom Tiv. Fascinating. So I'm coming to your house for a Yom Tiv Suda. I'm coming to your sukkah. You're coming to my sukkah. I've come up with an innovative idea. According to Abaye, I don't want to bring you a bottle of wine. I want to give you a pair of tefillin. Am I allowed to bring you a pair of tefillin as a matana? According to Abaye, yes. Because since, even though on Yontif we don't use it, but it's ready to use on a regular day, so I could bring it to you on Yontif. The big chiddush of Abaye, I'm allowed to bring it to you on Yontif. Ah, you're not going to use it today? Fine. But it's ready to be used. You just have an issue that is Yontif. All right, so use it tomorrow. Fine. 
Amar Abaye, Abaye says, Tfilin hoyo vasuli yodon. Once we're dealing with Tfilin, name of Bumils, let's talk about Tfilin, abyssal hoyo baba derech etzum If somebody's traveling and he's got Tfilin on his head, vishoka olav achama, and it's almost time for Shabbos. So I'm traveling, I got my Tfilin. Can I take my Tfilin off? Well, I'm going to have a problem if I do. You know why? Because I'm not in my town yet. And I'm going to end up carrying. I'm not allowed to carry tefillin. You're allowed to wear things on Shabbos, right? I'm allowed to wear things. I'm not allowed to carry things. You should keep wearing it. Don't take it off. Because then you have an Isra of Haitzah. You have a problem with carrying. So what, you know what I am allowed to do is keep it on, cover it, uh, uh, put my hand on top of it. Okay? Why? Marasayim. Just so people shouldn't see that I'm wearing tefillin on Shabbos and think that it's allowed, okay? The only reason why Lamaisa I'm wearing it is to not come to the biblical transgression of Haitzah. Also, if a person's in the base Medrash and he has tefillin on his head and you can't leave it there, Rashi says, okay? It's an area that people would sit and learn or gather together, but you're not able to leave it there. It's not going to be protected. We'll see soon what, you know, what the possibilities are that could happen. So, what the Kiddush of Ayayim, and it's Shabbos is coming. Also, what do you do? Put your hand over it until you get home. There's a Brisa that says, if someone's traveling, and he's got Tfilin, and now it's Shabbos, Kiddush of Ayayim, Shabbos is starting. You keep your hand on it when? All the way home? No. Until you reach the closest house, and Shabbos is coming. You can't leave it there. So you see, you're not going to go all the way home. The only thing you're allowed to do is wear your tefillin to the closest protected place. You can't wear it all the way to your house. As soon as you find a protected place to put it down, take it off. Like Kasha, says Gemara, no question. You know why? I'll tell you, the Brisa which says that you should keep it on until you get home. That's talking about where you don't have a protected place until you get home. And the Bryce that says you should take it off at the nearest protected place is dealing with you have a protected place closer than your house, then you should. In other words, both Bryce is going to be in agreement. You should wear your tefillin and cover it only until the closest logical place to remove it. Says the Gemara. Eli Mintura, if we're talking about an, uh, an area that's not Mintura that's not guarded and protected. My area of Why we need to be talking about? Oh, if you're wearing tefillin, keep it on and carry it down. What do you mean if you're wearing tefillin? Afilu machtam ba'aranami. The halacha is if you're walking without wearing a tefillin, you find a, a tefillin zekel, you find a tefillin bag on the floor on Shabbos, and you have a problem of itzah. You can't leave it there. Somebody might take it, or it could get ruined. So what do you do? You should put on. Even if you're not wearing your tefillin, put on the tefillin on Shabbos. This way you're wearing it. You're not carrying it. You're not going to have an Isra Haitzah. And then you should, says the Gemara, if we're dealing with an unprotected place, why does the Mishnah give me a case of, if you're wearing your tefillin, give me a bigger Kiddush. And say you're walking, you see tefillin on the floor, you should even put it on. That should, you should just uh, say the bigger Kiddush. Answer the Gemara, like Kasha. There's different types of protected areas. Some areas are protected from bandits. Not bandits, I'm sorry. Thieves. 
Okay? The difference between a thief and a bandit is a bandit is armed, and a ganav is an undercover thief. Yeah, he's just taking stuff when nobody's looking. So, says the, there are certain types of areas that are protected from dogs. Okay? A regular fence around an area is protected. No dogs are going to come take it. No animals are going to ruin it. Or do you need, what, what level of protection do you need? Right? You need protection from animals? You need protection, is there a, a, are there a lot of ganavim around? Listen to this. Beauty. I would have thought to say, if you live in a town where most of the thieves are Yidin, you live in a shtetl, a Jewish shtetl. 90 out of 100 people are Jewish. So any Ganevas that go on are going to be Jewish. I would say that you have to leave the Tfilin because Yidin don't steal Tfilin. That's what I would think. And the Chiddush is that no, you should still put on the Tfilin and uh, and take it home. Just a quick Misa. Misa Shehoya. Beautiful story. Um, I have uh, the parents of one of my siblings-in-law. Okay? they Their home was broken into in Eretz Yisrael. And the, just a few years ago. And the police department was able to figure out who it was by, they, they knew for a fact that it was Jewish thieves. How'd they know? Because when this couple came home for, uh, after a Shabbos away, their home was ransacked. Things were all over the floor, except not a single safer was touched. All of the Sfarim stayed on the shelf. So that was the first clue. The police department in Yerushalayim the first clue that it was Jewish culprits was that they said in general, Jewish, you know, the Jewish Ganovim, they don't mess with Sifri Kedusha. They, they treat them with cover. They treat them with proper respect. You know, so they were able to narrow it down to like who the troublemakers in the community were that was the Jewish ones. And ultimately they were able to figure out uh, uh, who took us. So I would think, listen, Jewish thieves, not Kamash one, therefore there's still a concern. No, Hajjan Allah, Beitzah, to return to the first parak of Masechus Beitza. And now, Mazel Tov to everybody who finished the first parak. And now we begin the second parak on the top of Daf Tesvav Amud Beis. All right, here we go. We're going to completely shift gears from Hilchus Muktza to the halachas of cooking, particularly. The laws of Erev Tavshil. Okay? This is a beautiful, beautiful parak. And let's talk a moment before we start um, the parak. Ready? And we're going to finish this daf with a sugya that's going to blow your mind that we're doing it today, Erev Yom Kippur. Beauty. I was preparing the daf. I was like, this is incredible. Mamish. Like you find, you go through daf yaymi and yana the yaymi. It's, uh, it's a beauty. We'll find that at the end. All right, here we go. Let's talk. What's this whole idea of Erev Tavshin? Okay? A cooked Erev. So here's the deal. You're allowed to cook on yomtif for yomtif. You're not allowed to cook on yomtif for anything else. For any other day. You're allowed to cook on Yom Tif for Yom Tif. You're not allowed to cook on Shabbos. What do I do if Yom Tif falls out on Friday 
and Matzah Yom Tif is Shabbos. I can't prepare on Shabbos for Shabbos. Right? So I need to cook on Yom Tif. Unless you start cooking even prior to Yom Tif. Are we going to tell a person you got to cook for Shabbos a couple days in advance? All right. So listen to this. This is fascinating. Listen to this background of Erev Tavshil. All right. If it's usher to cook on Yom Tif for Shabbos, Midai Raisa, which seems to be, because if you look at the Pesukim in the Torah, it says you're allowed to cook on Yom Tif, the Tzairech Achila of Yom Tif. So then what does Erev Tavshilin help? Erev Tavshilin is instituted by Chazal, by the Chacham, by the sages. Could the sages tell you that something that's usher Midai Raisa is allowed? No. If it's Asr Midaraisa to cook on Yom Tif for Shabbos, what does Erev Tavshilin help? Okay. So you ready for this? Here we go. There's a big time Achlaikas as to how Erev Tavshilin came about. Opinion number one is that on Yom Tif, you're only allowed to cook for Yom Tif. However, you're allowed to cook extra. What's the extra that you're allowed to cook? Well, you never know if maybe some friends are going to come over. And therefore, once I cook on Yom Tif, I could cook more just in case. According to Rabbah, Ready for this? Eruv Tavshilin is merely, call it a reminder or something. It's, it's something Chazal put in place to let me know, that, you know what, really, once you cook on Yom Tif, you're allowed to cook extra. Except the Chachamim say that if the food is not really meant for Yom Tif, you should make an Eruv Tavshilin to remove the the Isser Dirabonon, right, of cooking extra. Midaraisa, you're allowed to cook extra. But we're concerned. It's a concern that, oh, you might, yeah, you're going to start, you're going to get into Ramayas, you're going to get into trickery, you're going to play with your own brain. Okay? So, according to Rabbah, the reason why I'm allowed to cook on Yom Tif for Shabbos is not because you're really allowed to cook for Shabbos. If the way it's working is, I'm allowed to cook on Yom Tif and cook extra just in case more people come. And the Erev Tavshilin's reminding me that this is how it works. Now listen, according to this, according to Rabbah, listen very closely. Should I be allowed to cook on Yom Tif a half hour before Shabbos when there's no chance anybody's coming? No. Lehalacha. According to Allah, if the whole reason why I'm allowed to Erev Tavshil, the whole reason why I'm allowed to cook on Yom Tif for Shabbos is because really I could technically use that on Yom Tif. You're only allowed to cook if you could technically use it on Yom Tif. If I start cooking a half hour before Shabbos and the food is only going to be completed five minutes before Shabbos, it's, it's usr. It's usr to cook because you don't have the svara of you could technically use it on Yom Tif. No, you can't. You hear? 
Gavaldikazach. That's how Rava uses Erev Tavshilin. Okay? However, Rav Chista comes from a whole different approach. Rav Chista says that you know how Erev Tavshilin works? Really, says Rav Chista, major Chiddush. Shabbos and Yomtiv, the, the, it's, on, it's only usher to cook on Yomtiv for a weekday. But really, you're allowed to cook on Yomtiv for Shabbos. Smutter. According to Rav Chista, we'll see why. But according to Rav Chista's approach, you ready? If I'm really allowed to cook on Shabbos for Yomtiv, why am I even making an ear of Tavshilin? See, he says, Erev Tavshilin is not a kula, it's actually a chumrah. Really, I'm allowed to cook on Yomtev for Shabbos. But, Chazal say, we're going to be machmer. You should only do it if you make an Erev Tavshilin. You should only do it if you make an Erev Tavshilin. Kind of serves as a reminder to only cook for Shabbos. But you shouldn't be doing this when it comes to a Yomtev. Okay? Now, according to Rav Chista, can I cook a half hour before Shabbos starts? Yeah, because it has nothing to do with people coming over. It's just that you're allowed to cook a Tzairach Shabbos for Yom Tev. Gvaldi. You hear this? That's a little background as to how Erev Tavshilin was developed. Let's get cracking over here. Zok the Mishnah Tesvav Amud Beis. Yom Tev Shechali Yais Erev Shabbos. Yom Tev falls out on Erev Shabbos. Okay, you're not allowed to cook betchila initially on yomtiv for Shabbos. You cook on yomtiv for yomtiv. And if you have leftover food, use it on Shabbos. Big deal. Okay, you're allowed to cook on yomtiv for yomtiv. If you have leftover, use your leftovers for Shabbos. You're not allowed to cook on yomtiv for Shabbos. Blanket statement. Says the Mishnah. Let's qualify it. However, here's what you can do. You can make an Erev Tavshila, which is, make a cooked dish on Erev Yomtev, B'saymich halav l'shavis, and B'saymich on that dish that you're now setting aside to allow me to be cooking for Shabbos. You need two cooked foods to make the Erev Tavshila. One's enough. V'shavin, B'sham B'shal agree, B'dagu B'itza Sha'alav, that... You know, if you have two things and you combine it, for example, you have a matzah and you spread out some herring on it or some, you know, some fish, uh, or a fish with an egg, shehen shnei tavshilin. It's considered two separate foods. Acholoi oi sha'ovat. Let's say the Erev tavshilin did not remain um, until you finish cooking. So uh, your kid ate it for breakfast on Yom Tov morning. Lo yivashalo betchilin. So then it's gone. Can't rely on it. But even if you have the smallest amount of it left over, even if it's a few crumbs, it seems like, and then you could rely on it to keep cooking for Shabbos. Okay, here we go. All right, that was the mission. Mish says again, you're not allowed to cook on Yom Tov for Shabbos. And then it says, however, with an Erev Tavshilin, and we have a machl- you could, and then we have a machlik as how an Erev Tavshilin is made. Says the Gemara, Menani Mili, where do you get Erev Tavshilim from? Amr Shmuel Shmuel says, Dalmar Kroos Rachazim Shabbos, God Shai. Remember the Shabbos and keep it holy. Make it holy. What it's letting me know is, remember Me'acher from a different Kedusha, referring to Yomtiv, Shabbat, which is coming to forget about Shabbos. Meaning, 
you have Friday and then Shabbos, what's everybody concerned about? The Yom Tif first. And therefore, we set aside food prior to Yom Tif to remind ourselves, oh, don't only get ready for Yom Tif, we're also getting ready for Shabbos. Okay. my time. What is the Svara for Erev Tavshilim? Amar Rav Rav says, Kadesh Yivar money off of the Shabbos, money off of the Yom Tiv. We want to make sure you have enough food for Shabbos and for Yom Tiv. Rashi says, to let me know, don't eat up. Don't stuff your face on Yom Tiv. You're going to have to make sure there's enough food in your home for Shabbos as well. Rav Ashi Amar Kadesh Yomru. The issue is, first of all, so according to Rav, it's to make sure there's enough food. According to Rav Ashi, is so... Um, is for the cooking process to let us know to remind us of the halachas. Right? If it's letting us know you're not allowed to cook stamazay for yom tif the Shabbos, we'll know that you're not allowed to cook on yom tif for chayil. Okay. So according to this opinion, why do we have erev tavshilin? To uh, to remind us of kedushas yom tif, the importance of of not. Making yom tov less, which in our, by the way, in our minds, very often this happens, right? We very like like we said, we we've said a few times. Unfortunately, people view yom tif like a Shabbos light. You know, it's like a light Shabbos. Like yeah, it's Shabbos, but you could do some things, right? That diminishes from the importance and the the beauty of what the yom tov is. So Zokter of Ashi, we want to make sure that by making the erev tavshilin, Elam's reminded of the importance of. Of uh, Kedushas Yom Tov. So now we learned in the Mishnah. I said Tavshul Merev Yom Tov. If I'm going to love the Shabbos, you let him make a Tavshul on Erev Yom Tov, and rely on it to be able to cook for Shabbos. Bish the Mother Rashi, according to Rashi, makes sense. Amar Kadesh Yemru Einayf and Yom Tov the Shabbos. Yeah, we don't want uh, people to say that. Oh, you know, you could start cooking. Hainu de Merev Yom Tovin. That's why if you start Erev Yom Tov, it's okay. Be Yom Tov Loi. But if you do it on Yom Tif, the Erev Tavshilin is not going to be good, El Rava. But according to Rava, who says, what's the whole point? To tell people not to, eat, not to stuff their face on Yom Tif and to leave over food for Shabbos. My Erev Yom Tif, why does the Erev Tavshilin need to be made on Erev Yom Tif? I feel Yom Tif Nami. You can make the Erev Tavshilin on Yom Tif itself. Says the Gemara, ready for this? Ein hachi Nami. Shema Yifsha. You know why we do it Arab Yom Tif? Because we're concerned that people be, get too busy on Yom Tif and forget the Erev Tavshilim. By the way, you ready for this? The, people don't know this. La Halacha. Halucha You're supposed to make an Erev Tavshilim Erev Yom Tif to be Yaitse al Shitas. What happens if you forget? You walk over to the Ruv on Yom Tif. First night Yom Tif, you're like, I was supposed to make an Erev Tavshil, and I forgot. You're allowed to make Bidiyavad. You're allowed to make an Erev Tavshil on Yom Tif. All right. Zez the Gemara. There's another source for Erev Tavshil from the following Pasuk. When it comes to the Halachas of Shabbos, you're only allowed to eat that which you previously cooked or baked. From here, Rebbe Yazer teaches us, You're only allowed to bake something that is already baked. Okay? Meaning, 
that if you already have something you're preparing for Yom Tov, you can make more for Shabbos. You can add to a cooked thing so, uh, uh, additional food. And this is where Erev Tashilim comes from. In other words, we set aside something baked and something cooked. Therefore, as we continue to bake and cook on Yom Tov for Shabbos, this is considered additional baking and cooking. All right, here we go. Ready for this? A little bit of shift. We're going to get into some, a uh, little bit of some uh, lighter Gemaras over here. Tanur one of the rabbis learned, so should we mice a story with Rabbi Eliezer? Shai Yosef, there is called Yom Kula, because Yontiv is sitting and darshing the whole day, the halakas of Yontiv, Yotzer, Katri, Shaina, the first, uh, the first shir, the first Talmidim left, Omar Halalu Bali Tfosen. And Rabbi Eliezer said, these are Bali Tfosen. These ones own big, uh, big barrels. Okay? Meaning, they're too busy running after the, their food. They're, they're too excited over food. Kachniyam. Then the second group of Talmidim left. They stayed a little longer in this year, right? But they left. Amr Lalu Bali Chavis. Yeah, they have the, the uh, jugs. Kachlishes, Amr Lalu Bali Kadr. Pitchers. Kadrviyas, Amr Lalu Bali Lagin, small flasks. Yeah, they're, they're less into Gashmis. Kachamishes, Amr Lalu Bali Kaisis. They just need little cups. Ischilu Kachishes Lazis, the sixth group began to leave. These people are balei me'ira. Okay? What are balei me'ira? These are people that uh, are empty. So he, st- he, he looked at the last few tamidim that were still there. And they started to get scared. They started to turn, uh, turn red. You know, or white. Yeah, they, they were nervous. What's he going to say about us? Okay, so far he's uh, had something to say about each group. I'm not upset at you. I'm upset at those that left. They're walking out of yeshiva before this year's over and they're leaving behind eternity. Because they want to be involved in Okay, and when the shear was finally over, when they left the shear, the word potter, right, from the word nifter, Omar Lahem, Rebbe Lezer says, ichlu takim. Go, eat delicious foods, drink sweet wine. And send, you should be zeiche, even though you stayed longer, to send food for those who don't have food. Today is Kaddish, Rakadish Baruchu. And don't be saddened. Because the serenity of, or no, chedva is not serenity, chedva is gladness of Hashem, is your strength. Why is that the strength? Because, uh, I'm sorry, Rebbe Lezer was upset because these Tamidim left behind um, eternity, the shear of Tyra, and they went to be involved in Chayisha. Says the Gemara, one second. Is that true? It was Yamtiv. Vasimchas Yamtiv Mitzvahi. I'm getting at a shear because I got to go prepare my meal. It's a mitzvah. How can you say this is this is not eternity? Rav Eliezer the Amar Simchas Yamtiv Prashus. 
Abdelazer says, you're not obligated to have a meal on Yom Tov. That's his opinion. So you're not obligated to have a meal. Why are you leaving Torah to go do it? There's no mitzvah. There's no obligation. There's no commandment. The Talmud says, What should a person be, what is a person obligated to do on Yom Tov? <coughs> we know he can eat or he can learn Torah. Rabbi Shua Emer, Rabbi Shua says, No, you're mechuyiv to eat, you're obligated to eat, and you are obligated to learn Torah. Amr Rabbi Echanan says, They both darshan. The same one pasuk says it's a it's a teres to be given over for Hashem because Okay, so is it for us or for Hakadosh Baruch Hu? Rabbi Lezer Savar. So Rabbi Lezer says it's a choice. You can either learn Torah or be involved in the meal. Aikul Hashem, Aikul Lachem. Rabbi Yeshua Savar, Chalkeihu Chatzel Hashem Chatzel Hashem. You got to be Mekayim both. Okay, my leinochin lei. Rebbe Yezer told the last Talmidim that they should go and be blessed, right? And they should be able to send food to those who are not ready. What does that mean? To those who don't have. Anybody who did not make an Erev of Tavshilin and therefore can't cook. So if they didn't make an Erev of Tavshilin, make sure others who can cook send food to them. Some say, A person wasn't able to make an Erev of Tavshilin. But if, however, if you have somebody who was capable of having Nehemiah Shil and you don't, and therefore there's no obli- he's negligent, and therefore there's no obligation for everybody else to send them food. Because the gladness of Hashem is going to be your strength. My children, borrow the, on me. My husband, the kadshu kedusha sayoyim, and make sure you have enough food for kedusha sayoyim. I mean, be trust in me, and I will pay back. I will foot the bill for simchas yomtiv and simchas shabbos. When it comes to food that we spend the covered shabbos and the covered yomtiv, Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, "I'll foot it." Now, obviously. Doesn't say over here, look up at the bike. Yeah, if you buy food for yourself, you say it. But if it's mom is done, look up at Shabbos, then I go to the broker says, I will cover it. A person who wants to be able to hold on to their possessions. He should plant an Eder. Okay? Um, Rashi says, Basically, the idea here is make it known what you own. Eder is a prominent tree that people have become aware, oh, you're the owner of that thing. Right? Make it known who owns this. Nobody can really take it. And as soon as, if somebody does try to take something, people will know who the original owner was and it'll go back. Shedemar adir bamare mashem. Inami, idra kishmei. Or it means a, a, a tree named idra. She has people say, my idra. What is, what is idra? The kaima ledari dari, something that remains around for many generations. Similarly, if you have a tree, a field that has an eder tree, um, it cannot be stolen. 
and it cannot be forcefully uh, taken away by force. And the fruits are going to be protected. Let's end off with the daf with one more fascinating halacha, mamish uh, appropriate. Tony Rav Tachlifa Achua the Ravino Chuzoi Rav Tachlifa the brother of Ravino Chuzoi taught us top of tomorrow's daf. This is so amazing that we're ending off today's daf and starting tomorrow's daf with this Gemara. As we approach Yom Kippur, you ready? Call Mizaynaisav Shel Adam Kavutzim Loi. All of a person's finances are established. Tonight and tomorrow, a person's year is going to be sealed. It's all decided. Finance, finances and everything. How much money a person is going to have is going to be decided. Sealed. Yom Kippur. Chutz, with the exclusion of what the money we spend the covered Shabbos and Yomtif is not included. And the broker says this person is going to have $100,000 this year. It's besides for the money we spend on Shabbos and Yomtif. This person spends $20,000, that $20,000 will have to foot the bill and you'll still have $100,000. You know what else is covered? You know what, you know what else Hashem says I'll foot the bill for? Your child's Jewish education. Tyra. You know why? The Gemara Nisa tells us, Shleisha Shutz from Badam. There's three partners to a person. The parents give the physical makeup. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives the Neshama. There's Baruch Hu says, You send your kid to learn Tyra, I'll take care of the Neshama part. Jewish education, I'll foot the bill. I'll make sure it comes back to you. Shempakas Pachsin Lein. Yeah? If a person spends less money on that, you'll get less money for it. And if he spends more money on it, because Baruch Hu will send more money to take its place. And we're in the middle of this topic, but we will pick up Be'ezus Hashem over here on Matzai Yom Kippur at 9.15. We'll call the good people a little bit of time to break the fast. So let's pick up Be'ezus Hashem Matzai Yom Kippur at 9.15. Gemach Shimatayv, everybody. Have a, have a uh, meaningful... An easy fast. Why do we dive in for an easy fast? It's supposed to be inoy. Yeah? It's supposed to be a little bit of affliction. It should be an easy fast that we can focus on the Abayda. Yeah? If the fast is hard and it's, uh, you know, and it's, everybody's, you're too busy, too hungry, too thirsty thinking about the food, it's very hard to do chuv. Yeah? An easy fast is to allow us to also focus in on the Abayda of the day. May each of us be inscribed with a because Baruch Hu seal each of us in Gans Klai so for a wonderful year. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Zagizan.